0: Thank you very much, uh, everyone. I appreciate all the videos. I appreciate all the uh, prayers. And uh just want to thank you. Uh, can, am I on there? Okay. Somehow I've been having trouble with my computer over the last 24 hours. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for... Today, we want to thank you for the celebrations that are going on today, but in a different way. We thank you, Lord, for mothers, as we have already prayed, and we just ask, Lord, as we come to your word, that you allow us to center our hearts on you, to hear from you what you have in store for us, to shift us to where you'd like us to go, to align us with your purposes, and to establish your will among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to uh, take some time and look at a portion of scripture from the Old Testament and a couple of verses from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet that spoke to the nation of Israel during the period of, uh, about 600 or so before Jesus. So that would be 600 BC. And, uh, he spoke about something really, really interesting. Uh, he had a lot of prophecies for the nation of Israel at the time that they were in captivity. And uh, he was speaking to them about corrections. He was speaking to them about things that would pertain to them as a nation. He would speak to them about things that would be happening in the future. Uh, he had a number of prophetic uh, messages about the Messiah. And uh, all of it came together. And I'm going to be focusing on Isaiah chapter 61. In Isaiah chapter 61, we read these verses. And this is a portion of scripture that's messianic. And by messianic, I mean it is speaking of the Messiah that is to come. So he was speaking this to Israel 600 years before the coming of Messiah. 600 years before the coming of Jesus. When he spoke these words, they were not in a good condition. They were in a situation where they were captive outside of Israel. They were in Babylon. They were under Babylonian rulership. The Israelites were not free. It wasn't like the days of King David where they had the full freedom uh, to be a strong nation. It wasn't at the time of King Solomon when they had just built the temple and all the nations all around feared Israel. It wasn't that at all. It was at the time when the nation of Israel had gone into darkness. The word of the Lord was not obeyed. People were doing all kinds of sinful things to the point that the light that they were supposed to be amongst all the nations was pretty dim. Contrasts that to the time that Jesus came. The nation of Israel was at that point still under another captivity. They were under Roman captivity. The Roman Empire had taken over the majority of that whole world. Israel was one of the colonies of the Roman Empire. They were under Roman control, so the Roman soldiers were in the streets. You could hear them marching. You can see them. It was a very visual expression of the fact that Israel was not a free nation. Imagine us today in Canada. Uh, we don't have the army in the streets. When the quarantine happened and there were some concerns about things happening in Quebec, there was talk about the military being dispatched in Quebec. And that was a big concern. I've been in situations where I've seen the military in the streets when I was in Egypt. On recent trips, things had quieted down a little bit. The military was still in the streets guarding many different official buildings. You could see them outside with barricades and and, uh, machine guns and and missile launchers and all kinds of things barricading embassies. The U.S. embassy was surrounded by the Egyptian military. The government buildings were surrounded by the Egyptian military. So as you walk in the streets, you get a sense of something is off. Something is not quite right. So uh, Isaiah was speaking these prophetic words in the midst of that climate. We know something is not right. It's been eight weeks since we've met in our church building. We know something is not right. Many of us have not been going to the office for work. We know something is not right. Many of us have not been to school for eight weeks. It's been a different climate. It's been a different season. Many of us are stuck at home and we have to have people shop for us and bring us food, especially the older ones among us. Something is not right. Something is up in the air. And we don't have a sense of stability. Uh, Israel didn't have a sense of stability. They didn't know who their king was. And the prophet spoke these words at the time when all of this confusion was happening and the people did not have a sense that maybe God isn't even in control. There was a remnant all throughout that would listen to God's voice and hear him. One of them was the prophet, Isaiah. But there was a sense all throughout that there's this, just where are we? What's going on? You may be in that situation today where you're questioning. You know, uh, Ginny was just asking, uh, talking about how she had brought come to the point where she was questioning her faith. You may be questioning your faith. And we've had sermons about uh, doubt. We've had sermons about fear. We've talked a lot about different things. But there's something in this chapter of Isaiah, chapter 61, that even in the first couple of verses, Isaiah sets a tone that shifts our hearts and shifts our minds. Let me just read it to you. He, read, he wrote these words. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They will build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Imagine hearing those words for the first time. You've been carried off. You're living in Babylon. You're living in Persia. You've been taken as captive. You've been stripped away from your home, your country. Remember, there was a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. They were all taken into captivity into Babylon and later in Persia. They were under different kings' controls. They were the young men of Israel, but they were captive. In Armenia today, a lot of men are leaving Armenia because they're looking for work outside, whether it's in Russia, whether it's in Europe. So there's this shift that's happening in society where young men are no longer within the country, building the country, and the country is degrading. Same thing that happened in Israel. All the young men were taken because of their strength and what they could do in the other countries. So their cities are in ruins. The old people are sitting there and they're remembering how it used to be when the country was strong. Armenia today, there are a lot of uh, older people that are sitting there wondering what will happen to this nation that we sacrificed for all these years under Russian and, and communist rule. And now that we have our freedom, we're building a country, but our young people are being taken elsewhere because that's where the money is. There's uncertainty. There's uncertainty in Korea. There's uncertainty in Iran. There's uncertainty about the economy here. In the midst of all this uncertainty, Isaiah writes these words, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. So this whole message, this message of the gospel, this message of the kingdom, this message of what he is bringing is a message of good news. And we could use good news somebody was making the comment, how come they don't tell us about the number of cases that have been resolved and have been cleared of COVID-19? They do now, but they hadn't in the beginning. You had to calculate it. It was showing you the number of infections, the number of deaths, and then you had to figure out what was the difference the number of resolved cases. But as all of these transitions are happening, good news doesn't sell. Devastation sells, bad news sells, all these things are sort of clouding the issues. You never hear about a good act that happens somewhere, but you hear of a shooting always. In the midst of all of this, Isaiah writes these words, and he says, I want to bring you good news. He has been anointed to bring good news. Bring good news is actually a good thing, and it is even better when it's anointed by God to mobilize and to bring the people the the good news. You know who else spoke these words? In Luke chapter four, right after he was baptized, Jesus comes into the the uh, synagogue as was his custom, and in the midst of the synagogue, he is handed the scroll of the book of Isaiah. In chapter four of Luke, we read these verse uh, these verses. When he came to Nazareth, where he was brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now, when Jesus took the scroll, when he was given the scroll, there is a set reading in the calendar of the people of Israel that every week they read a specific portion of scripture. It is not up to the reader to determine that. It is not up to the priest to determine that. It is determined for the entire nation and in every synagogue they read the same portion of scripture, every synagogue, all throughout the whole people of Israel. So on that day, in the city of Nazareth, Jesus comes in and he is given a scroll and he opens it to the set reading of the day. And guess what the set reading was for that day? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That prophecy, 600 years before Jesus, was set on the Jewish calendar to be read that day when Jesus, after being tempted and coming out of the desert after 40 days of uh, fasting, He would come into his city where he was raised in Nazareth and he would come into that synagogue on that Shabbat and he would be given that scroll and it would be exactly that portion of all of the Old Testament that he would have to read. And as he read it, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 600 years later, Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he says what Isaiah prophesied 600 years before, that today this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today you have seen the fulfillment of the promise of the time that will come where the Messiah will come into Israel and declare that he is anointed by God Covered by God, anointed and set by God to proclaim freedom to all of these people. Freedom from those, for those who are oppressed. Freedom and open eyes for those who have been blinded. Release of those that are in captivity. Release and freedom for those who are oppressed. The year of the Lord's favor. 600 years. And Jesus shows up in the synagogue, takes the scroll that was given to him and reads what was set for him. Today, that is exactly where we are at. We're exactly in that same day where from that point in history where Jesus stood and declared that this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ear, until this day, he who is the anointed, the head of the body, he is the one whose the oil has come down upon his head We are his body that today we stand in the same place where we have been anointed to bring good news. You and I being part of the body of Christ globally, we have been anointed to be with him, to be partners with him, to bring good news. But what is that good news? And what is that kingdom? And what is it that Jesus really spoke about or the prophet Isaiah really spoke about? I want to highlight a couple of things about the character of this kingdom. What are some of the characteristics? What are some of the features of this kingdom? Whether we read it in the Luke uh, in the Luke account of chapter 4, or whether we read it in the Isaiah 61 passage, I want you to realize something here. That we are right now in the time period between the resurrection of Jesus. If you remember, we celebrated Easter just a few weeks ago. And we're going to be celebrating something else that's coming up. Because the time between when Jesus was raised from the dead, that was on the first day of the week, on the Sunday after his resurrection. For 40 days, he stayed on the earth, and he spent time with them, talking to them, teaching them, explaining to them, opening their minds up to different things, allowing them to experience something very unique. And he brought them to the place where, as a nation, as people that were following him, they were able to understand something about a very specific topic. In Acts chapter 1, we read these words. For In chapter 1, we are reading the, the details of what happened. Luke, the author, writes in, the, in this way. He says, In the first book Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, in other words, his death and resurrection, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized in water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So for 40 days after his resurrection, he stayed with them and he taught them about the kingdom. The kingdom that he was anointed to bring the good news of. The kingdom that he was the king over the kingdom that was handed to him by the Father was handed to him and he had authority over all heaven and all earth. He is the king that rules over this kingdom and the character of this kingdom is what we read about in Isaiah 61. The characteristics of this kingdom are this, that in this kingdom, the oppressed have good news. The brokenhearted are bound up. The prisoners are released. God Himself will take vengeance over all those that have oppressed His people. God Himself will bring restoration. Somebody prayed earlier for restoration. I think it was Macy. She said that, what are you asking for for your mom? She said, restoration. Whatever was stolen from us as humanity, the Lord Himself in His kingdom will bring restoration for all those things that have been stolen. Some of you have had to leave your country because of religious conflict that has come in or oppression that has come in. The Lord will bring restoration. Some of you have lost lands when the enemy came and stole those lands. The Lord himself will bring restoration. Some of you have broken hearts because you have been abused or you have been cheated or you have been betrayed. The Lord will bring restoration. In this kingdom... He will bring restoration to those that are oppressed. He will bring freedom for those that are in prison. If you're in a prison of a habit that's keeping you stuck and you can't get rid of this thought or this behavior, the Lord wants to bring freedom to you under your in your place of oppression. If you are blind, He wants to open your eyes to the things that are there for you to see in the heavens. If you're only seeing the things of the reality of this earth and the earth, the, the, problem that are, the problems that are around you, the Lord wants to break you open to allow your eyes to see without the things that you are afraid of, to see beyond the things that are holding you down, to have new eyes to see in the Spirit how good He is and how faithful He is and how open He is to bring you to the place of fullness. This is the kingdom. If you're mourning, because of a loss. If you're mourning because of the feeling that you have been abused or, or, or betrayed. If you're mourning because of the fact that you're not able to be with a certain person. He wants to comfort you. He says to give them a garland instead of ashes. You know what a garland is? A garland is a, 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 like a, a stream of different... Uh, greenery and, and different things that are alive but ashes ashes is what is left at the end of a fire ashes is what's left after the end of a devastation he's going to clean all that up and put greenery and put life and decorate you and festoon you with the beauty of what God has in store for you he wants to replace the morning with an oil of gladness you know what oil of gladness means? It means an anointing of something that brings cheer. I have anointing oil that I picked up somewhere along my travels. And it has a beautiful flavor, or fragrance rather. I'm sure it tastes good too. It's probably made with olive oil, so that would make it great on the top of a salad. But I'm thinking of the smell. And whenever I put it on somebody's forehead, there's just a joy that comes into the room because of the fragrance. And the people normally just start inhaling it because it smells so good. It's the lily of the valley or it's the jasmine or whatever it is that the the oil has been uh, added to in terms of fragrances. The oil of gladness does that to us. There are some oils that are very rancid and heavy smelling and you just don't want to smell them. But an oil of gladness brings joy to your heart. It lightens the, 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 the room. It just makes you want to breathe in. And the more you breathe in, the more the, the fullness of God's glory enters your lungs and your mind and it cleanses you in that way. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Have you ever watched people watching a football game or a hockey game or a basketball game, a sports event, and their team is not doing well? They're not up cheering. You are usually just sitting back quietly, thinking once again our team let us down. But there's something that happens when a goal is scored and you realize that the victory is there or you're just about to receive the victory. You're sitting up and your head is high and you're getting ready. That's what he means. In this kingdom, he wants to give us a mantle of praise, a covering of praise instead of a faint spirit. And you're cheering your team on. You're cheering your king on. That's the character of this kingdom. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. The oaks are one of the strongest trees. They can withstand all kinds of winds. They can withstand all kinds of pressure. They're strong and tall and firm, and you can do so much with the wood. Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. He is establishing in His kingdom a character in each one of us that allows us to stand strong and stand full, and stand ready to withstand all of the pressures of life, and all the things that are going on. They shall build up the ancient ruins. You and I, in the same way as Jesus was called to bring restoration to the ruins of the nation of Israel, how he restored the nation of Israel back into its place of glory, and that's not finished yet. Israel is still not what it used to be when King David was king. But the time will come when all Israel will be saved and the Lord will bring Israel back into that place of authority that it needs to be within the family of nations as the 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 instrument of God amongst the nations. But until then, the church is meant to be that instrument and we function within that. And the church is not just the Gentile church, but it's the combined church, the church messianic and the church Gentile. Together we are the body of Christ. Together we stand in a place where we can become that which brings restoration to the ancient ruins. History tells us that that's what the church has done. History tells us that, yes, we are in that 40-day period between uh, resurrection and ascension, and we're waiting for the coming of the Pentecost, and we have been laboring and we've been praying, and all across the globe there is a sense that in this 40 days We are in a preparation for the coming of the Pentecost where the Holy Spirit pours down upon us in power, in authority, in a fresh way. Let me tell you a story about what happened a few years ago. About a hundred and some years ago, at the turn of the 1800s to the 1900s, there was a nun in the Catholic Church. This nun was concerned that the church was not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as it used to in the day of Pentecost. So she approached the Pope at the time. His name was Pope Leo. And she asked Pope Leo, she wrote 12 letters to Pope Leo asking him to pray and to declare a time of prayer in the Catholic Church. This is in the late 1800s, that in the Catholic Church there would be a revival and that the Holy Spirit would come and fill the church, and the church would be ignited with the power of the Holy Spirit. Pope Leo eventually felt the same conviction that sister, uh, I don't remember her name now, but the sister had, and he declared nine days of prayer. They call that a novena in the Catholic Latin language, in the Catholic Church in the Latin language. In novena means nine, and it was nine days of prayer, from the day of Ascension until just before the day of Pentecost, those nine days between day 40 and day 49, in preparation for day 50, the day of Pentecost. So they prayed, and they came to the turn of the century, it was 1900, and at that point, nothing happened in the Catholic Church. But there was a revival that happened amongst a few young students, evangelical students, that were praying for a touch of the Holy Spirit, and a few of them started to speak in tongues. What the Pope and the Catholic believers were praying for, God answered in that small portion of the church that was separated out from the Catholic Church, the evangelicals, the the Protestants, if you will, and he birthed something new there, but the Catholics that were praying kept on praying and kept on waiting. It wasn't until 1967, almost 60, 67 years later, that some of those that are from the Protestant renewal that were filled with the Spirit, they saw the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, came back and started to bring the gospel or the, the outpouring of the Spirit to the Catholic Church. And at that time, the Catholic charismatic renewal was birthed. Today, we stand in the period of history, again, between Ascension or Resurrection and Ascension, and we're praying for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit, and there's so many people all across the globe that are believing that this Pentecost, there's going to be a huge outpouring like never before. This is the first time in a long time that parents and children have not been together, like those that are outside their homes, have not been together with their moms for, pa- for Mother's Day. It's the first time that the Church has not been together For Easter. It's the first time the church has not been together for Pentecost. Something different is going on. We still may not be able to come together at the time of Pentecost. But we're believing that the Lord is spreading His fire all across the globe. And we're looking forward to that. So align your hearts with God's purposes. Align your heart today with what God is doing all across the globe. And ask Him. Unite with me today as I pray. Unite with others that are are praying all across the globe. Father, pour down your spirit upon us in a fresh way that we can truly become your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That we would be able to fulfill the the, the prophetic word that was spoken by Isaiah, that was lived out by Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and throughout his ministry, that is upon us as a mantle today to live out to be the ones that have been anointed with the Spirit of the Lord to bring good news to everyone, to bring freedom to the oppressed, vision and sight to the blind, healing to the wounded, that we would become the body of Christ on earth today that would be the fulfillment of what Isaiah saw 2,600 years ago, that we would become the instrument that God wants to use today on the earth. That's the call of the church. That's the message of good news. Not that you are born again and that you're not going to go to hell, that you're going to go to heaven. That's just the doorway. That opens a door for a relationship with the Father, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, so that together with the Son, we can become the proclaimers of good news and freedom to the captives and sight to the blind. To transform the society, to be the builders of the ancient ruins. That is our call as a church. That is the call of the body of Christ. Will you walk with me in this? Will you pray with me in this? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the authority that your word gives your people. Father, today, we receive this mantle afresh. We open our hearts to you and say, Father, may your will be done in us as you have willed in heaven. May we begin to go deeper in our understanding with our fullness of understanding day by day to understand deeper and deeper what you have called Jesus to walk in when he was on the earth and what you have invited us to walk in with him today on the earth. Father, as Jeannie said, we need to align our hearts and come back to the place of trusting and walking in fullness. Doubts will come and doubts will go. But as we walk with you, Lord, we will see the power of your anointing in us and through us. Your word promises that those that are yours will fulfill these things and more. So Father, I pray for a fresh outpouring. Even today, Lord, not just waiting until the day of Pentecost, but even today, pour your spirit upon us in a fresh way. Ignite us, Lord, and cause us to come into the fullness of what you are experiencing. We are to experience and where we're going to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.